0: Welcome to episode 237 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview State of Origin Game 2 and the representative round and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 237 of the Rugby League Republic Podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are ready and raring to go for Game 2, State of Origin, and the representative round. Are you pumped up? I am absolutely pumped, Dr. T. How are you? Oh look, I'm I can't you tell. I'm so excited, mate. There's yeah. just so much going on. There's just international rugby league. There's representative rugby league mm. all over the place, wherever you look. Yeah. And uh and 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 someone else that's represented rugby league on a grand stage. We'll talk about that later. I'm not talking about Absolutely. the logies. I'm talking <laughs> even bigger than the logies. Wow. Of course. But yeah, we'll yeah. we'll keep that surprise for a bit later. But Tish, there's a yeah. lot happening
1: absolutely and you know typically on a on a weekend there is uh you know eight NRL matches but this representative round I counted them all up dr t there are nine fixtures um you know uh including all the under 19s and the women's and men's test matches uh the women's wow. state of origin it is it is a smorgasbord a buffet um, <laughs> a of uh of NRL rep- representative football, you know, passion a midship plate, a midship a- plate. A- it's it's a, a-, a sushi train,
0: a city train. It's a, yeah, you name it. It's a it's just food analogies everywhere. It's just yeah, right. lots, of, lots of rugby league happening. And you know what? I've got two words to say to your nine representative fixtures, Tish. Mm. Not enough. There's not, not enough. enough. We can't get enough of. Representative rugby league, it's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about representing, you know, if I had my way, Tish. This is a uh, you know, he's I'm typing my email to PVL right now. This is one way that we can fix rugby league. We should name all the representative games origin, so wow. you know, state of origin instead yeah. of international, you know, just to come to differentiate ourselves from the, the other football codes. Yeah. Let's just call that, call them nation of origin. Country of origin origin or something like that. Yeah. You know, region of origin. You know, let's... What about heritage
1: of origin? origin Because... uh... (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Ethnicity of origin. (laughs) Why don't we just
0: do that? Oh, look, you know, this is what it's all about. So that way, (laughs) look, it's a... I'm I'm typing my email to PVL right now. Get on to it, PVL, because this is one way to save rugby league.
1: Yeah, And I think mandatory Ancestry.com tests. The eligibility <laughs> Just it's right.
0: You can do them drive through. You just first you get your COVID test. Yeah, and then next window is your ancestry test. There you Absolutely. go.
1: Absolutely, I think that's phenomenal. So don't you think? And then
0: and then the final window, you you nominate your um. uh <laughs> you pitch, pitch your best uh, Stan documentary series. Anyway, oh, wow. we'll, we'll, we will talk to get about into that. that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, look, there's a lot to get into. So let's dive into our six tackles. And here we go. Our first tackle: the round fifteen review. All right, round fifteen has just gone by and there were some look there were some very interesting upsets and uh, very interesting things to talk about just as we head into the representative break so i'm just going to go through the scores and then uh, tish as per usual will give our highlights or you know what caught our attention uh, during that round so first up St George Laura Dragons in my mind an upset 32 to 12 thrashing of the South Sydney Rabbitohs um then the Cowboys 28-26 over the Manly Warringah Seagulls, are uh, probably one of the the most amazing comebacks that you'll see for the Cowboys there. Uh, the Storm 32 to 20 just outlasted and outclassed the Brisbane Broncos. The Sharks 18-10 over the Gold Coast Titans. The Penrith Panthers continuing to flog every <laughs> <laughs> All comers, forty to six against the hapless Warriors. The Eels, twenty-six to sixteen, rebounding off their loss in the previous week. Twenty-six to sixteen over the Roosters. Canberra Raiders, twenty to eighteen in a tight one over the Knights. And finally, uh, unfortunately for you, Bulldogs, thirty-six to twelve, another thrashing. This time at wow. the hands. This time the Tigers are, are the, the victims here, but the Bulldogs, what is it now? Is that two in a row or three in a row? What's going on? Um they're just yeah, doing so I think well it's this two
1: year. In a row. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: you know, they've... two two for two for zero uh is, is better than over for two, which is what they've yeah, oh for whatever it is. Um but yeah, look, they've they've definitely turned around. So look, yeah, let me let me launch into what I think is going on here and what my uh, my highlight was and I think for me it's obviously the bulldogs. I think it's well it's not the bulldogs. Let's let's be let's be clear it's Mick Potter. Wow Mick Potter. Has, that's right. The Potter has the <laughs> the Mick Potter, I personally think you know, again I'm typing an email right now and not to PVL this time to JJ JK Rowling you need to write a new series called Mick Potter and the, I don't know, the the philosophical coach or something like that. Let's let's mm. start a new series. Not Harry Potter, Mick Potter. It's all about Mick Potter, the magician. I mean, what has he done? He's completely turned them around. It took him three weeks, but he's won two games out of three, um, yeah. you know, since he started. So unbelievable, Mick Potter. You know, it just pays to – it just goes to show that if you go with a coach w- that has some level of experience and and uh, sort of uh, a track record behind him that he's, he's likely to get your results, um, you know, I wonder what that means for, you know, coaches like a Trent Barrett of, and that sort of ju- – that kind of junior coach where they've got not much behind them. Um, look, unfortunately, Trent Barrett has been shown this – what we've seen is that whatever happened, um, Mick Potter has turned it around. Whether it's Trent Barrett lost the dressing room or just he wasn't able to bring the best out of the players, I don't know. But um, and the, the the key thing is not that they're just winning; they're grinding out wins. They're actually playing really great football. They're really throwing the ball around. They've now got you know more than thirty points in the last two games. So and flogged the Eels and the Tigers in successive weeks. So. Um, you know, what can you say about that? But look, Tish, I know you don't want to probably dwell on that because it's yeah. your your Tigers is the victim here, but it's really, to me, more about Mick Potter and what he's done to turn around this team. Uh, who knows? I mean, a few more wins under their belt and they seriously could be top eight contenders. Would you believe? Mathematically, it's possible.
1: Yeah. Well, you've got to win at least 12 games, Uh, like, you know, I feel to be any, but like, to sort of guarantee your spot at the moment. Um, Cause even actually there are teams outside the top. I um, know oh, no, no, all the teams in the top eight have won 50% of their games, right? So the Bulldogs, they do, they've only won four. They'll need eight more to go. And I believe there are nine games left. So it's possible. Wait, it's possible for <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight eight out of nine. Look, the Tigers need nine out of nine. So, you know, they're in a better position than them. And then um, you know, um, so I think it's possible. I, I think they're gonna get close, and I think it's all it's all heading upwards, and um, you know, who knows, you know, the, the uh vacancy is available for you know the Bulldogs next season. I don't know how serious they are of uh, sticking with Potter um, You know, there's like a target list That they've got I think the West Tigers are not focused on their footy at all It feels like they're just focused on Trying to find a good coach That's all you really hear about them And um, <laughs> a really poor performance by them But I think the Bulldogs I think um, Let's not unnurse them I think Josh Adekar um, You know, that X Factor Oh wow! Isn't New South Wales going to need it for game two? You know, um, glad he got selected. You know, um, <laughs> oh you know, six tries please. in two games. You know, <laughs> please don't do that. Please don't do that.
0: Yeah, Leave that look, for the next tackle, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think I think we've also I think we could uh, sort of go last year's grand finals, the Rabbitohs. I think you could pencil them out now completely from um, the running. Um, I don't think. Oh wow! Um,
0: you reckon Latrell's not going to turn them
1: around a little bit? Look, I think they'll make the top eight, but I don't think they will uh do much in the finals because I don't think they can finish in the top four. Um, and on top of that, I don't know if they're good enough to beat three top tier teams three weeks in a row. Because if you're in the bottom eight, you've got to be able to do those victories. So I know I know Latrell Mitchell is is, you know, what is he worth per game? Two or three tries, right? Um, but like let's just call it two tries, right? they still wouldn't have beaten uh the <laughs> George uh, Illawarra Dragons right that's so, right, yeah. yeah so so that's that's sort of how they're going and you know they've they've pulled their young halfback um 30 minutes into the game so i just uh, i just feel like a cody walker sort of having sort of you know um a lot of a niggle go his way and you know he's sort of the instigator as well as being the uh, on the on the end of it as well like i think yeah. teams are targeting him um, to, to to sort of get him off his game. Um, and, it's and it's working. And it's working, and it's working quite a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a lot of little things like that that just need to um, do it. And, you know, that people talk about it, the, um, the Wayne Bennett hangover, you know, every time he leaves the club, they sort of spiral downwards, right? Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, but but I think the Ramirez are a strong enough organisation to stop that from happening. But it's just, yeah, I think this season is a bit of a write-off for them.
0: Yeah. And look, I just want to, speaking of top eight, uh, you know, you will probably recall back in our um, crystal ball prediction episode at the beginning of the season uh, that we, we predicted our top eight and there was one controversial omission that that in my particular top eight uh, prediction, and that was the Sydney Roosters. Now I remember, you know, after a few games, I thought, Oh geez, they're really proving me wrong. But right now, uh, they are sitting ninth. Yeah. So just two points out of the eight, St. George, Illawarra, and South Sydney are equal uh, sixth on 16 points. Yeah. So they're one win out of that. But look, they're still in the hunt, but I – look, yeah. again, am I – I don't know. Am I a genius uh, tipster? Yeah. Probably not. But I do think there, there's something about there's, – there's a same feeling with South Sydney. There's something about they're, they're on the decline for some reason. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I think so
1: too. I think you've, I think you've, uh, you know, Nostradamus this well uh, (laughs) took the tea. So um, I I don't think they can make it. I I think I read that out of the nine games, they've got six teams above them to play, and unfortunately, they're not themselves the Roosters this year. Mm. They're sitting ducks um, for the. <laughs> for, for the teams above them, so um, yeah, so I think they do need to turn it around, and yeah, it's just just not working for them. So, um, yeah. but look, you know, that's that's the NRL. Do we really uh, like? It is it is one of these. Let's, things move, that, like, on. let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on.
0: Yeah, here we go. All right, let's move on to our state of origin a game two preview. Take on number two. Here we go. State of Origin Game 2 is upon us. The Blues are Maroons. They are playing in Perth this Sunday, June 26. Um, the Blues have... Uh, they both have announced their teams. Obviously, they're in camp. Some controversy, you know, controversy galore, in fact, for the Blues. They have made a total... Of, well, the latest that we've heard is seven changes to their 22-man squad. Four new faces... In the top 17. Uh, And those new faces are going to be Matt Burden, Jake Trebojevic, Angus Crichton, and C.S.C. Vitalikai have made the top 17. Um, Burden is going to join Stephen Crichton in the centers. And Jack Wyden obviously has been ruled out due to COVID. And Mm -hmm. Katoni Staggs has has he been dumped or is he injured? Because um, he's um, he's been dumped, which is. I mean, I have no idea why he was actually one of the. <laughs> he was quite dangerous. I don't know what the deal is there, but um, look, and we called it from the beginning. We did say, "Where's Jake Tchoboyevich?" We also said, "Where's J- Josh Adokar?" But Freddie obviously didn't uh, didn't catch the entire episode that where where we <laughs> where we covered that. He probably was a bit busy uh, doing something else. Um, but look, yeah, um, seven changes. And let's not forget, so this is – we made more changes than we lost – the number of points we lost by. Six points. It's not like we got flogged 50 to 6 or whatever it was that the Blues did to the Maroons last year. I just feel like this is a bit panic panic stations for Brad Fittler Hmm. or alternatively, potentially, he took a couple of risks in game one that he thought I shouldn't have taken those risks and now he's going back to being – uh, a bit more loyal to people who have uh, been there and done that. Yeah. Um, regardless of that, he still has that uh, that issue with the centre combination. Uh, you know, having to deal with the centre combination. But let me let me read out the, the teams, mm. and then we'll go through it. So um, in full, we have Tedesco, To'o, Burton, and Crichton in the centres. Uh, tupo is on on the other wing. Luai and Cleary, obviously. In the forwards, we've got Yo uh, at lock, Cameron Murray and Liam Martin in second row. <clears throat> Our props are Payne Haas and Jake Trebojevic at prop. And uh, a big change here, Apisai Coruscant in for Damien Cook, who is on the bench at number 14, who is uh, also on the bench, Angus Crichton, Junior Paulo, and Ciasiva Talakai. And in the reserves, as in like the extended squad in case of injury, etc., is Nico Hines, Joseph Suwali, Jordan McLean, Clinton Clint Gutherson, King King Gutho, and Victor Radley. Now, you know some comments of obviously online about Victor Radley uh, being brought into the the extended squad, even though he hasn't played since round ten. <laughs> Whereas uh, Latrell Mitchell obviously also hasn't played for a while, but. Uh, he obviously has not been ruled in. So some people saying, why is Freddie Fittler favouring roosters, roosters and Panthers players, mm. um, which it seems to be <laughs> because for some reason, Josh Car not there. I don't know what he has to do to get back in. Maybe he felt that Tupo did enough. Um, but, yeah, Josh Addo-Carr uh, three tries. It, it, is that true? Three or five in th-
1: two games or was it six in two games?
0: Two hat tricks yeah. in a row? Is that correct?
1: Or it could maybe... be. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe I know there was a hat trick over the weekend. Maybe the previous game was at three tries as well. Or yeah, three or two tries. So yeah, look, I don't know. Inform, what, what you... inform try scorer. Absolutely, and we, we lost by a try.
0: <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. And and for some reason, yeah, I mean, what did he do wrong? Is the question. So look, that's the blue squad. The the maroons on the other hand probably haven't. Change much except for via injury we've got kalen Ponga Selwyn Cobbo and Murray Telagi uh, in Tool, on yeah. the wings uh, uh Valentine Holmes and Dane Gagai in the centers Munster Cherry Evans of course Tino at lock Felicia Fusi, Kirk Capel second row props are Lindsay Collins I think he's a newbie and Josh Papali at the prop and Ben Hunt this time coming in at number nine. Oh, actually, I think he was anyway. Uh, and then on the bench, we've got Harry Grant, Jai Arrow, Patrick Carrigan, and Jeremiah Nanai, uh, or Nane. And uh, the extended squad there is Tom Dearden, Thomas Flegler, Beau Fermor, Corey Oates, and Reese Walsh. Um, look, both very strong squads. But Tish, I've just read out the number of changes that New South Wales has made. It's taken... Look, I don't know what to say about Freddie. What do you think's going on? Do you think these are risky changes?
1: Well, look, um, Brad Filler is tasked with picking a team and coaching a team that will win uh, State of Origin Game 2. And, um, you know, he has, you know, he's got a pretty good record as uh, as New South Wales coach. Um, and he's not afraid to make changes. I don't think he, um, I think he's kind of his own man a little bit in terms of how he selects his team. Um, because we're all trying to analyze it, you know, some players are new players ahead of incumbents who have done well for us, and then other players are like um, you know, informed players and then um, a, a big Panthers lineup because you know, pretty much that whole back line, apart from Tedesco, um, played for Penrith last year in the grand final, right? So um it is the combinations of theirs as well, right? Although I don't necessarily believe that the Panthers are that great. Um, of an attacking team, if you take away their big Fijian um, uh, prop, uh, sorry, second rower. Um, so I just forgot his name. Kick out, yeah, kick out. That's it. So yeah, like you know, the, so there is a, another tri scoring weapon that obviously I, I don't know if he's eligible or not, but but he's not in the team, right? But you've got you've got some you've got good continuity. So so look uh, look, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, um, and. Uh, you know, we've got like uh, you know he's made changes to other positions, second roles and front roles and all that kind of stuff. I do agree with most of the changes. I'm not sure of uh, Victor uh, Radley only because he's he hasn't played, but I think it's just more. You know, it's it's that you you sort of always pick that young player that you've never picked just to expose them to the Yeah, I
0: don't think you'll make the squad, but I think uh to have him there, I think it's a kind of a learning experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not too sure about Jordan McLean either, if if I'm being fair, I don't know how his fawn is going. Um, you know, um I I'm more of a Colgate fan, Dr. T, so um <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's, yeah, that's
0: that's a joke from the nineties. That's gone way so, back. In so, fact, that's <laughs> the last time I've seen Jordan McLean play a good game. Anyway, no,
1: that's true. <laughs> <shit>. um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so a couple of what I fear about right is is the number nine position. Okay, so in in the first game, you know, Queensland one of their tactics was to bring Harry Grant as a like you know an interchange sensation, right? Um, out of the bench and then, you know, sort of use him as the forwards are tiring out to sort of take advantage of, of you know, the New South Wales forwards getting tired. So, and then New South, and, and, and then I think all the bench players from Queensland had a great game in Game 1. Now, New South Wales, they're trying to, you know, the word was used copy. Um, and and I don't think you can just sort of use that word accurately. I think they're trying to do the same formula with, um, with, Appy Coruscant and Damian Cook. So Damian Cook is going to be the impact off the bench. And I think Talakai as well is, I think that's why they're sort of being picked. Juni Polo as well, I think, you know, he's going to add that with the, obviously he's hard running and he's like passing and so forth. Um, but the, the I suppose what I question about all of this is that if you think about game one, the Josh Adokar controversy was that the fact that he suspected um, Queensland to pick Xavier Coates is not in this game. And as a result, um, you know, Brad Fittler decided to react and go with another player in two power. Now, game two, same sort of thing. Uh, Queensland won. um, And I think a big part of their one was just the energy that came out of their bench. So what does New South Wales do? They sort of react and copy and I don't know if playing catch up is the right mindset when picking these teams, right? I think we've got to look at what of our what are our strengths. What does New South Wales have over Queensland? And we've got to I think pick the team based on that. The fact is we've been a winning team over the last four or five years now. It's not like the eight more. So I think I think the whole even if players are not in form, if you could if you could stick as much as you can to previous teams, I think that's a winner. And I think you also gotta for all those changes, you've got to pick the best player in that position for that, right? And that's where look, although I think Matt Burton has been playing great over the last few weeks, although he was the DLM center of the year, he hasn't played center all 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 um all season for the Bulldogs. So do we like is he the best center for New South Wales eligible for that because I like I'm not 100 percent sure right if he's if he's the right man but I'm trying to think who else do you put in do you go back to Stags um, you know Stags it was his debut you know uh, the difference between New South Wales and Queensland debut de- debut is usually um, New South Wales debut usually have a poor game. <laughs> and Queensland uh, debut- debutants usually have a really good game, right? Um, and you sort of saw that, like, in, the, in game too. So I kind of felt that you should have, just for continuity, probably st- stuck with stags, um for that. And I think, yeah, I-, I don't know if chasing the Queensland game plan is what is the best game plan for us. Like, I'd rather us come up with our own game plan, our own way of winning, and, and we do that. From what I see from this team, uh, I think New South Wales lacks X Factor. Um, lacks finishing Um and I think uh we're going to win if we grind to a victory I don't think we're going to win if we so that means like set for set, really tough you know, win the rock type sort of uh game I don't think we're going to win by being flamboyant and like, you know, very creative because I don't think we've picked the personnel for that, but that's my thoughts what about yourself, Dr T?
0: Yeah, look, um <clears throat> no surprise I'm going to focus my attention on the Blues because I think In in my mind, yeah, uh, it was really the Blues that lost game one uh, with their negative kind of play uh, more than anything. Uh, and, And so I think, look, Queensland, as I said before, Queensland, I don't think, can play much better than they played in game one. And certainly, you know, that's not to say that they're a poor team. I think they're a very good team, but I think. You're not going to see much improvement from them. I think Munster had an absolute amazing game. I think we need to learn from that and work out how do we contain Munster. Every time we've contained him, we've flogged them. So really, it's a case of, you know, he is their X factor. If you shut him down, you shut down all their options. I think um, it's. It, I, I'm looking at the squad. <clears throat> I oh, know we're talking about Ponga and his amazing forward cutout passes, um, but, you know, its he's not going to play like that forever and he has been very inconsistent at origin level. Uh, and so I think, you know, what you're, where it's going to be won and lost really is how, can we contain their most, uh, you know, creative player? Cut, Shut down their creativity and we have a chance. Now, if you look at the Blues, uh, you know, the the... The other sort of omissions that we failed to mention, but they're, they're affecting my Eels team, is uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard dropped and Ryan Madison dropped completely. Um, if you ask me, <laughs> the Regan Campbell-Gillard was probably one of our best forwards. So I don't know why he's dropped him. Ryan Madison, I did say after the review of that game one, that he seemed a, a touch slow um and you know for for that pace and i think he probably just needs to improve that a little bit you know improve the play the ball i mean not just speed i'm talking just the urgency i think that but that's what was missing there um now in saying that i also thought the same thing of cameron murray now I, know, I don't know i still think i don't know if cameron murray is the best idea to have him at second row or if he's better as an impact player off the bench when mm-hmm when the forwards are tiring and you need a speedy little player. Now, I think that's where Damien Cook comes in. So the Cook and Coruscant thing, there's two reasons why I think this may work. And one is that Damien Cook, for all, you know, his his strength has always been his ability to create that momentum and, you know, speed off the ruck, one out sort of running. He He's still very, very fast for his age, but he's getting on a bit. So I think he's – and he also gets – I think a lot of his energy gets taken with the 50 tackles a game that he he tends to be involved in, which I don't think is a very smart, self-preserving way to play the game at this level. So I think Freddie probably thought, well, rather than have him out there making the 50 tackles, I need him to play to his strengths, which is get me momentum when I need it. And you saw towards the end of the game when we started to make our comeback – and we looked like we were in, in a chance of coming back. It was because we were able to cut them up through the middle. So the way I see it, Corasao is there partially because he is that he has that combination with Luai, Cleary, and also Isaiah Yo. I mean, we talk about the spine. Also, we need to include the lock as part of that discussion. Isaiah Yo had a, he, a an amazing uh, kind of. Uh, performance from what i saw on the weekend and and really uh there's a, a couple of highlights i saw where he just cut them up through the middle with some very great individual brilliance um so he's and he and remember he was about half a meter away from scoring the try under the post that could have Uh, with a few seconds to go so we're we're not talking we're talking about someone who's got that x factor potentially but he's also a hard worker so he's a creative lock and i think we need that there so that means corusso is there to be a bit of a link man between the the other panthers players that know each other's game back to front and then that means cook can come in with fresh legs, to do what he does best, which is rip them apart with 20 minutes to go when the Queensland forwards are tiring. And they will tire because that's what they did in game one. So, look, I actually think this is a good move. Um, you know, I was surprised that F- Freddie Fitler did it, but I thought it was a good move. I think it's also a sign that, you know, Damien Cook is on his way out a little bit at this level, but he's still got some value, and I think that's why he did that. Um, you look at the rest of the bench, Crichton, Paulo, Talakai. I think. That's a pretty strong bench. Um, again, Crichton, usually Angus Crichton, I'm talking about, comes in. Um, you know, as that kind of forward uh, with a bit of creativity. Paulo Junior, Paulo is there. I think with Junior Paulo, he's got to be told, you know, um, like like w- when Hulk get, gets into the Avengers fights, you know, do a bit of Hulk smash, just get in there and do be the battering ram. I think it needs to be the instruction to him. But also, he needs to pull his head in a little bit and not do stupid plays, uh, pushing passes, etc. If he if he controls himself, restrains himself, I think he will be a very, very effective bench player. I think when they announced the team for game one, I did say, I wonder why they they uh why would you why would you select him on the field? I think he's better as an impact player at this level and I think Freddie has gone towards that. And the only other thing to mention before I shut up is Jake treboevich <laughs> Gerbo, as they call him. Not Gerbo. not Turbo, Gerbo. <laughs> um, now a bit of a surprise, because we thought, oh, well, the fact that he didn't get picked for game one means that Freddie's thinking, again, it's a succession planning thing. Maybe Jake Turbo is on the way out, and some of the younger blokes are on the way in. But I think he realized he needed a a leader in the forwards, and there was none there. I mean, we've got, we, we had Haas, we had uh, Junior Paulo, Cam Murray, you know, Isaiah Yo is a bit of a leader, but you really need one from the front. And we didn't really have that in game one. We had a bunch of players that are followers waiting for the leader to step up. And I think Jake Turbo is the man to do it. He's talkative, he's captaincy material. He will be the one that uh, gets them uh, fired up, I think, and and leads by example. And I think, so I think that, you know, again, this is a much better balanced side i think than in game one so i think mm-hmm. we're going to improve a lot i i genuinely think the blues will win this game probably will win it quite well i don't want to put the you know the the jinx on them but um i'm seeing a very good signs that this is a much better balanced side i think they'll go in there they've got the cob dust of the cobwebs off from game one and will rip in uh that's my prediction what about you tish i'll let you have the last word
1: yeah, well, look, um, this is a, a very interesting one because usually, I think usually the neutral game New South Wales normally wins, right? So um, they have do have a bit of form. So a couple of things are kind of interesting in this game as well. Like um, New South Wales have been in Perth since Monday, I believe, whereas Queensland are flying out. Um, I think they're going to get there on Thursday. <laughs> Right. So <laughs> yeah. they're going to be a bit more climatized, but it also means that New South Wales had to do a lot more work in the promotion of the game, right? And be distracted from the. So I don't know if that's a tactic as well, right? Fly in late um, and then just focus your effort on winning the game, right? Number one. Number two, uh, according to Greg Alexander, who's with the camp, he can't get a coffee before 10.30 at his hotel. So I don't know if they've made the right booking as well. So I don't know if these, if the camp is a little unsettled. You know, you've got all these new players. You can't get a coffee before 10.30. Uh, <laughs> you've got to do all this promotion. So I feel like New South Wales have uh, put themselves backs to the wall. But this could be another Freddie Masterstroke, right? Because you know, maybe we play our best footy when we are backs to the wall. And um yeah. So I'm tipping New South Wales. I think as I said, I think it w- I think it'll be close. I think it'll be like a two point or a try deficit. Um but I think that New South Wales just gotta they're lacking a bit of X factor. Maybe the carousel Damien Cook move is that X factor. Maybe Talak off the bench can provide that X factor too. Um but I think if they um you know concentrate on sticking to the grind um and and uh, you know just uh, just sort of out muscling New South Wales in the forward. I'm sorry, Queensland and the forwards. I think they'll do it. I think um, I think uh, uh, I th- and I think like in last game, I think the bench for Queensland was really well organized. So uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be a tight game. New South Wales by two points.
0: All right, and I do think that the New South Wales will win by more than two points. And I think our X factor is actually Jerome Luai. I think he just needs uh, you know. The forwards uh, sort of dominated. The yeah. Queensland forwards dominated New South Wales forwards, and I think that's why we we need uh, we need to win where it's won and lost. And I think that allows the backs to do what they do. But look, yeah, it's uh, it's also one with containing monster. So I think uh, I think New South Wales by probably twelve or so, but we shall see. All right, now we also need to talk about the women's state of origin. So here we go. Tackle number three: women's state of origin. We have a big Women's State of Origin game happening this Friday, June 24th at GIO Stadium in Canberra. Uh, It will be live uh, on Channel 9 free to air as well as on KO Sports, Fox Sports and uh, obviously streaming on Channel 9 or 9 now in Australia. So look, um, let me just go through the squads and then we'll talk about who we think is going to win. Now, obviously, we, we... Tend to watch more of the the male version of the game, so um, bear with us <laughs> as we try to um, we we uh, we review or preview uh, where where we think this game's going to go. So for New South Wales, we've got um, uh, Emma Tonigato from the Dragons at fullback, Yasmin Clydesdale and Tiana Penetani from uh, on, on the wings, Jess Sergis and uh, Isabel Kelly in the centres. Kira Dib at 5'8", Rachel Pearson halfback, and the forwards we've got from the lock going forward. Hannah Southwell, Shaylee Bent, and Kezi Apps is the captain. Uh, Kezi Apps from uh, St George Illawarra Dragons at second row, and in the front we've got Simema Taufa and Millie Boyle uh, on the in the front row, and Keely Davis at hooker. Interchange: Quincy Dodd, Sarah Tukatuki, Caitlin Johnson, and Olivia Koenig, And for Queensland we've got. At fullback Tamika Upton, wings Emily Bass, Emily Bass, and Julia Robinson, centres Ivania Palit and Sheni Shen- 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 I don't know how to say that. C. I'm so- C- C- o- K- um, apologies. We do you know what? Do you know how to spell uh, pronounce that
1: name, Tish? No. That would be a no, Doctor T. <laughs>
0: That will be a well, no. Well
1: yeah. yeah.
0: I will get it right next time, I promise. Uh, Taryn Aiken at 5 um, eighth and, of course, Ali Brigginshaw at uh, Halfback. So some of these names we do, uh, of, people will recognise their household names now. Uh, the forwards, Destiny Brill at Lock, Tasman Gray, Talisha Harden in the uh, second row, Chelsea Lenaduzzi and Shannon Mato at mm. Props and Brittany Brayley-Nati from uh, Gold Coast Titans in Hookah. And on the interchange bench, Lauren Brown, Jessica Ellison, Steph Hancock, and Tiana Raffstrand-Smith. Now, Tish, I think, look, the key thing I want to say as I'm going through the squad is that even though I would not never profess myself to be an expert on uh, women's rugby league, uh, there are so many names that we have spoken about before. Mm. We know some of these players, they're becoming household names. I think it's, it's you know, you cannot deny that mm. the women's game has just exploded in popularity in the last few years. We spoke about last week the expansion of the NRL and there is an expansion of State of Origin as well afoot. Mm. Um, now, I believe this is not going to be the only State of Origin game. Is there going to be another one as well? As I believe maybe we'll look into that, but yeah, definitely is there are plans to expand the state of origin concept in the women's uh, game as well. So there's always positive things happening. Look, in my mind, we've got on the new South Wales side, Millie Boyle, Kezi apps and Jess circus are probably going to be the star players um and Millie Boyle I think is going to be a quiet achiever in this game again state of origin is usually one in the forwards and i think you know being the co um uh you know w- winner of the dally m medal uh recently um you know millie boyle i think yeah definitely will be uh, a, a player to look out for on the queensland side lena dutty at prop uh, again, and Ali Briginshaw at halfback. These are the you know these are the players that we know have always lifted on these occasions. But um, in my mind, I think the the Blues are going to win this one. I think there are you know backed by the great Sydney Roosters players and St George Illawarra Dragons players. Um, you've got some winners there. Uh, who've experienced uh, the the winning mentality in the recent season that just closed. Tish, what are your thoughts on the New South Wales women's versus the Queensland women's team? I'm tipping the Blues victory, but I think it'll be tight. In fact, I'm thinking this one is going to be a two-pointer.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, and, uh, like last year, I, I remember it came down to why I think it came down to a penalty kick, right? Uh, and New South Wales, unfortunately did not win that game for us, New South Wales fans. Obviously congratulations to Queensland women and Queensland supporters for, for winning that game, but it was a great name, great game. There was lots of tackles. There was lots of passion and there was a, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, know, there, there was, there, there was definitely, um, you know, a rivalry sort of taking shape. So. um yeah, so I feel like in this game, I think New South Wales are going to be really motivated to to win, um, obviously, from last year's defeat. And I think also what's happened is that, you know, if you sort of look at what's happened in the NRLW, the, you know, the New South Wales clubs have sort of gained... Because, you know, obviously the Brisbane Broncos were the the benchmark, right? Um, but I think the New South Wales players have certainly stepped up their game and, and, and we've seen an improvement um, in their play. So I think those are the two... Uh, major things that uh, that will contribute, you know, uh, they, they want revenge from last year and they've improved in their skill and ability and um, yeah and I think well, the great thing is if you go back and watch this game sort of two or three years ago you could sort of see how this game is evolving in the women's section and how like, you know, the more you know, the more time um, these players get to focus on their game and focus on their skills, um, the better uh, you know, the better high-quality rugby league that we're seeing. And it's already we're already at a, a great uh, you know uh, you know skill level uh, for what it is. So it's only going to get better. And um, you know, there's uh, apparently there's also like a, a push for um, the players to also get the same uh, match payments as what the men's are getting which I think is, uh, you know, it'd be good news, I think, once that sort of goes out. I think Queensland's already done it. I think New South Wales um, still has to sort of make that announcement. But it looks like this game is going to be good from from that point of view too. And, yeah, new teams being announced, and um, I think there is going to be an expansion probably next year. So, um, you know, all things looking bright and cheery for Women's Rugby League.
0: Absolutely. And also on the international front, which is what we're going to talk about next, in tackle number four. Here we go. All right. Test matches galore. International <laughs> round. You know, the representative break is really being taken advantage of. We've got a lot of good matchups happening. Um, we have one one that's been played uh, just now as we go to air. Lebanon versus Malta. Um, there's, I think it's unfair to, to do a tip when we know what the score is. I think Lebanon, well, we know the win. That The Lebanon team won Scories. against Malta. Um, do we have a score? No? What's the latest? I think it was 30 points to 16. Well uh, done, Lebanon. Uh, the Cedars beat in the Knights 30 to 16. You heard it here first. We have three other big games uh, that are, you know, really, really consequential, I think. You know, usually when we talk about representative round, often these are kind of, or, or you know, the international games uh, usually precursors to nothing. Um, but we have a World <laughs> Cup this year, and these games are actually going to really give us a bit of a form guide as to what's going to happen in the World Cup, I believe. And the first one um, is... The big one—it's New Zealand versus Tonga, um, and and look, let me just see if I can bring up the the team list. But look, we've Tonga, of course, on the off the back of a um, you know a, a massive last <laughs> last game victory uh, where they played in was it twenty nineteen? I think it, it feels like forever uh, the last time they played um, yeah. and won against the reigning world champions, the Australian Kangaroos, which was mm. probably the most uh, seismic upset in international rugby league history. And if that's any indication of the kinds of upsets we're going to see in uh, the World Cup this year, I, for one, am looking forward to it. Um, and I think any true rugby league fan who wants to see the game grow would be salivating at the, at the potential for some of these South Pacific uh, Island nations to really step up a gear and challenge the top three. Um, and here is an opportunity for one of them to, mm-hmm. you know, c- capitalise on that victory against the, rab- uh, the rabbit, as I was going to say, the kangaroos <laughs> three years ago. Um, <laughs> and well, I guess kangaroos are like big rabbits, aren't they? Um, no, um, the New Zealand team... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. against. Well, let me go through the team quickly and then we'll talk very quickly about what our uh, predictions are. So New Zealand has chosen the following side. Joseph Manu at fullback. Ronaldo Militalo and Jordan Rapina on the wings. Marata Niakore, Peter Hiku in the centres. Dylan Brown at 5'8". Jerome Hughes at 7 halfback. Uh, the lock, Joseph Tapine. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i and Kenny Bromwich on, in the second row. Jesse Bromwich in the front row alongside James Fisher-Harris and Brandon Smith at Hooker. And on the interchange bench, we've got Kieran Foran, Moses Leoda, Nelson Osofa-Solomona, and Brighton Nikora. And on the Tongan side, we've got uh, Toletau Kalu'a, or cool cooler, sorry, from Manly at fullback, Christian Tui Pulutu and Sioni Katoa on the wings, Viliami Penasini and Moses Suli at center, Katoni Staggs is the 5'8 from the Brisbane Broncos, Talatao Amoni at halfback, Jason Tamalolo is, of course, the lock, uh, Sitili <laughs> Tuponiua and Kaloa Mata- <laughs> yeah. Matakungi at uh, second row, Aiden Aden, sorry, for Blake, and Siasua Takiaho, Taki who obviously um we we know from Sydney Roosters, uh at Prop and Saliva Havili at Lock uh, sorry at, at hookah on an interchange bench we've got Sonny Luke Homoli Alakua Tutu and Tavita Tatola and Mowaki Fatawika look wow <laughs> That's a pretty pretty strong squad, considering Tamalolo is back in form. Yeah, Tony Stags, although he is normally a centre, mm. um, you know, he has just grown so much in the game in the last few years. So you know, you've got some pretty strong players there. Um, they they do also actually they do also have uh, on the interchange bench. Uh, Joe Afangawi. Uh, actually, I thought they picked um, David, uh, sorry, um, Andrew Fafida, but I think they didn't pick him in the team. I
1: I think he was ruled out, um, out of this game, but they were he was originally picked, right? There you go. So, yeah, look, both
0: look, I would say both are pretty strong squads. I think on paper, you would favor New Zealand, Mm. (laughs) um. Uh, especially if uh, you're looking really, to me, it's it's about a couple of players in New Zealand that need to step up. Uh, Manu, although Manu's playing out of position at fullback, and Dylan Brown is really the key here. Dylan Brown is has the potential to just open this World Cup right open. Uh, if they put in a good performance, it'll be because of Dylan Brown because yep. I, I don't really see... Uh, any other way that the backs are going to get the ball with the level of creativity that Dylan Brown can provide if he's not there um and then on the tongan side uh really in my mind Katoni stags it's a it's a question mark i mean he's more of a running center i don't see him as a creative mm-hmm. uh you know player in the sense that he can feed the ball to the backs but you've got so much firepower there that you just never know what's going to happen and look this is just going to be a game, I think of attrition, um, uh, and I think I think Tonga will win this one, but it won't be easy. What do you think?
1: Okay, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be full of passion. Um, it's really important because this is the first professional rugby league game in probably three years in New Zealand, right? Uh, New Zealand versus Tonga, so and it's a representative game. You know, since twenty nineteen, we've waited so long. Um, and the sides have taken a little bit of a different shape to what they had probably three years ago, right? Um, and look, I love the spine of New Zealand. I think that is a world-class spine, right? Manu, I think, is a, is a really great, talented player. Um, remember, they chose Manu over Latrell Mitchell, the Roosters. So, uh, um, you know, so that's where that ends up. And Dylan Brown and Jerome Hughes, I think, is a great combination once they get that going. Plus Brandon Smith. You know he's sort of more playing in the second row these days, but yeah, or lock, But he's been a great um dummy half of Melbourne uh, for a long time as well. So it, it's really quite a, a great lineup for New Zealand. Um, but you know, the spine comes into play when you can um, when you could stop the forwards, when you could win the forwards battle, right? And I think the problem maybe for New Zealand, although they've got a great pack. You know, Azai Papali is a great player. Um, you, know, the, you know, the Bromiches are there. They're great. Um, you know, James Fisher harris he, he's all good. But they've got to stop Tamalolo, Matangi, takiaho um, Adam Fanuel blake all very, very strong when it comes to yardage, you know, for their teams, you know. And then they've got Ola Kawatu, who is a bit of a strike weapon, coming off the interchange as well. So I think that... Yes, although the halves and like sort of the creative end of Tonga might be a little under strength, you got players playing out of position. Um, they may, you know, if they may just run over the top of uh, of New Zealand. And uh, the good thing about their outside backs, uh, Sully, you know, and Christian Tolapalotu and Kula, if you look at the way they play, even Amon's a, a bit like this. They don't necessarily need to have a uh, you know a backline set move to score tries, right? They they score a lot of their tries through individual efforts that they can do on their own. So they've got enough, uh, you know, running ability to score. Uh, but you, you're not going to see them like you know the the 1990s, you know, the 1990s Canberra Raiders where you know that he'll have all these really creative plays with lots of passing and everything like that. I don't think you're going to say that with Tonga. You're going to see lots of hard hitting running offloads from the forwards and some creative players fo- following up and um and and that's the way they're going to score try. So for me, I think that's uh, yeah. So I'm going to give it to Tong. Whoa, it's a tough. It's a tough one, right? Because you could also think that Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown are going to have a much better kicking game for the New Zealand too. So um, yeah. So I'm going to give it to New Zealand. I just think that Jerome and Dylan. What they can do is that um, the way they stop Tonga is actually by tiring them out. And you can do that with an effective kicking game. And uh, them two, as well as Manu as well, uh, have got some great kicking ability, right? And they've got Kieran Foran coming off the bench as well. So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think New Zealand for mine is just going to edge Tonga in this one, which will be a bit of an upset, I feel. Like it's, Tonga's had all the momentum over the last few years yeah
0: that's absolutely true and look i forgot to mention that the key reason why i think tonga will get over the line is uh it's been played at mount smart stadium in auckland it's saturday june 25th three twenty australian Is standard time 5 20 p.m new zealand standard time it you can watch it on channel nine if you're local here fox sports etc and let's not forget What got the Tongans over the line, you know, recently in their recent uh, great performances is really the crowd. Um, And I foresee that there's going to be a sea of red in Mount Smart Stadium, probably outnumbering the sea of black uh, in terms of the Kiwis fans. So I think that adds like an element of, uh, you know, intimidation to the Tongan team. And I think that that means that, you know, New Zealand will feel like they are playing an away game. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, uh, I think that's the key thing there. Uh, the other game, another game that we're going to talk about very quickly is Samoa versus Cook Islands. Now that's been played uh, at, uh, in Australia and Campbelltown sports stadium on Saturday, June 25th at 5 40 PM Australian Eastern standard time. So it will follow directly after um, the, uh, the New Zealand Tonga game. Um, and Samoa has picked a pretty good squad. Uh, Charlie Staines, Taylor May, David Nofaluma on the wings, uh, Isaac Targo and Jackson Paulo in the centers. Uh, Chanel, is it Channel? Chanel? Chanel, Harris, tavita at six, Anthony Milford at seven. And the forwards you've got Josh Aloai, Josh Schuster, Jaden Sua, Martin Tapao and Francis Molo on the front row, and Jazz Tevaga at the, uh, or in the hooker position. And Farmano Brown, Keenan Palasia, Spencer Lenyu, and Bunty Foa on the interchange bench. The Cook Islands have Kale Iroh uh, at fullback, uh, Stephen Masters and Malachi Morgan in on the wing, Anthony Gelling and Ruben Rennie in the centers, Isan Masters, Reese Joyce at uh, half and five eight, and Tinarao Arona. At Locke, Brendan Piakura, Pride Pedersen-Rabadi in a second row, and Vincent Rennie and Xavier Willison in the front row, and Aaron Tiroi at Hooker Interchange, Brody Tamarua, Moses Nuavo McGrill, Makahizi, Makatoa, and Davey Moale. This is all about uh, Anthony Milford at <laughs> halfback. <laughs> yeah. I think is it's not just his, the biggest name in both teams. He is the key here. If we are going to see uh, Samoa performing to their potential, it all boils down to what can Milford do to corral the troops and organize them. That's really is gonna be his role uh he unfortunately see is more of an x-factor though sees himself as an x-factor so could this be a team that doesn't really have a general but has a couple of x-factors that are are Mm -hmm. out of running their own show that's the real question mark i have so which samoa are we going to see stand up um now cook island's probably one of the weakest of the south pacific island nations so they should be if we're being honest potentially they should still win so that means that some are probably, look, they'll probably paper over the cracks with uh, an impressive performance, but if they're going to match it with the likes of Tonga and those top tier nations later this year, um, they really need to show us what they can do in an organised way. Um, so, yeah, it all it's, it's, it's with, uh, let's see what Power can do uh, and also Nofaluma as well. Uh, are some of the other star players that are likely to perform well. But yeah, to me, it's all about the Milford uh, question. Tish, what about you?
1: Yeah, I think Anthony Milford needs to have a strong game for Samoa because um, I think you'll find that in the World Cup, Jerome Lugua will also be in the squad. (laughs) Um, And you might even get Payne Haas and a couple of the New South Wales forwards as well, right? Which would really strengthen this team. It's already a, a pretty cracking lineup already, uh but Anthony, you know, um, cause you got Chanel Harris to which, you know, Jerome might sort of take his spot, but you know, interesting enough, you actually got Josh Schuster in the second row who also can play in the five eighth position too. So I think, I think Samoa, this is a bit of a, look, they will win this game, but I think there's, uh, but they can't take, um, they can't take, um the Cook Islands lightly and they do have to develop, as you said, a cohesion because it is um, a lot of these players uh, are sort of, yeah, as you said, very X factor ish. Um, not really, you know, not really thinking about two tackles ahead, about where they need to be on the field. So they're, they're sort of missing that organizer and somebody will need to be that organizer. Um, Interesting enough, on the bench, on the reserves, they've got Ronald Volkman, who hasn't debuted yet for the Warriors. But apparently, he's a pretty good organiser. So, um, you know, but, uh, you know, hasn't played NRL yet. So, yeah, that's probably the interesting thing about, um, you know, Samoa. So, look, I'm going to give it to uh, Samoa. I think they'll win by about 50. (laughs) All right. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the final game that we're going to talk about is, look, the big one, the Melanesian Cup. Oh, it's not really, but it should be. It's Fiji versus PNG. Um, Both teams, you know, potentially could put on a great performance or just play razzle-dazzle, you know. (laughs) You just never know which team's going to turn up, but... It's going to be a big one. It's the uh, the 7.50 p.m. on Saturday, June 25th at Campbelltown Stadium. So going to, it's going to be after the Samoa game. The main event, really, at Campbelltown. It's going to be a close one. And here are the sides. Fiji has Sunia Turuva at fullback. On the wings, we've got Mikhail Ravalava and Mike Sivo on the wings. Uh, Semi Velome and Waka Blake in the centres. Kevin Naguama at 5-8, Natua Masima at halfback, Tan Milne at uh, lock, Tanila Sadrugu, and Vilam Kikau. best player in the world at the moment, in my view, at in the second row, and front row we've got Joseph Ratuva. Oh, how do you say that? Ratuva Serasivivalu from the Northern. <laughs> Pro- I I think I butchered that. Tui Kamikamika yeah. from Melbourne Storm and To. Tagituima uh, from Mounties in the hooker role and we've got on the interchange bench Isaac Lumilumi, Pio Sechi and La or Sevi Lama, Manuel, Leo Levave, and Kaylin Miller. Tish, you should have done these ones. I'm <laughs> yeah, so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've completely butchered half of them. Um <laughs> and G, Oh, these are going to be slightly easier. Alex Johnston. Yeah. Um, at fullback, so, you know, quite a few names here that we recognize. Um, at on the wings, Robert Derby and Terry Wapi. In the centers, David Mead and Justin Olam. I mean, this is almost a stronger score, uh, center pairing than the New South Wales Blues has. But anyway, yeah. um, Kyle Labert and Lachlan Lamb uh, in the halves there. Jacob Alec at lock. Dan Russell, Nixon putt in the second row. Eppel, Capinius, and Sylvester Namo on uh, in the front row. Wartovo Puara at Hooker and the interchange we've got Liam Horn, Emmanuel Wayne, Mackenzie Ye, and Dilbert Isaac. Tish, um, that's not such a bad squad. Uh, mm. with Johnson, Mead, Olam. That's actually a pretty good uh backline they've got there. Not so much the forwards, but you know, you have got quite a bit of um. NRL experience in the back line for PNG, but against a Fiji team that has the likes of Kikau, Sivo, Naguama, Ravalava, in my mind, I think the Fijians are going to edge out this game. It's going to be a good one. And I think this is really Kikau's opportunity to stamp himself uh on on the international stage we've seen what he can do at penrith um in my mind i genuinely think he's probably the best player in the world at the moment he is the most dangerous uh when uh, you know he's the reason i think the penrith panthers have got the momentum they've got now in the premiership um and was probably a big big reason why they won the premiership last year uh, and dominated so Kick out, I think this is his game to stamp his authority. Show us what he can do. What about you, Tish? What are your... Uh, and
1: by the way, Fiji for mine, I think will win by about 12 points. What about you, Tish? Okay, well, look, I think it's going to be a cracker of game. I think it's going to be really close. It's going to be like this... Well, probably not in terms of the quality as sort of Tonga and... Um, and New Zealand or uh, New South Wales and Queensland. But I think these two teams are quite evenly matched. Although when you sort of look at, um, you know, if you go by, you know, NRL like association, Fiji's got 10 players that are playing for NRL clubs versus only five from PNG. However, um, you know, there's quite a number of PNG hunters team, uh, Squad members, Lachlan Lamb has played halfback for the Roosters and, you know, sort of, you know, is sort of a good player. So they do have a bit more organisational ability as, as far as we know, um, because, you know, Natua um, uh, Massima, uh, you know, sort of plays for the Western Summers Magpies who were running, I think, second to last in the New South Wales Cup. And Kevin Naguama is um, not really known as a 5'8", you know, so, um, so yeah, so I think, I think in terms of the, the organization of these teams, it, it, that might be where where PNG has got the advantage. However, Fiji's got lots of finishing <laughs> and lots of X factor. And um, again, you know, they, they've got about six players that could just run behind um, Kama Kamika and kick out when they've got the ball. And even Mil- uh, Tane Mil for the Rapidos has played well. They just need to stay behind these three players, uh, get the offloads away. And they've, you know, you only need to give um, Marcus Sivo. Like, you just need to give him the ball 10 metres out, right? He sort of just, um, you know, beats like five players at a time to score, right? So, thing, think like, so a lot of these guys, they don't need a lot of um, setup from their ball players to actually score. Um, so, yeah, look, it's going to be a great game. I think it's just going to be full of tries, full of hard hits. And um, my prediction is everybody's going to be sore after the game. And I'm going to give it to Fiji. Um, I think they have just got too much NRL, uh, you know, uh, talent in their squad to lose this one.
0: All right, excellent. Look, that's our wrap up of the uh, representative games, international games. Let's uh, go to tackle number five. We've got a special, special one here to talk about uh, Benji Marshall. Here we go, tackle number five. All right, so the big news is Benji Marshall has won Celebrity Apprentice Australia 2022. Um, Tish, you were following this very closely. Um, I only caught the tail end of it, and I saw a pretty powerful final pitch that we're going to talk about that Benji put forward. That was, I think that was part of the, the main sort of uh, selection, part of the selection process for the winner. Um, and, Batish, what can you tell me about Benji Marshall? Was he a deserved winner? Was he a ruthless, Trump-esque kind of, uh, you know, hard businessman throughout the series? What was
1: he like? Okay, well, look, I'll be honest. Um, I was watching this because of Benji Marshall. Um, so I wasn't <laughs> too familiar with the latest, or you know, who won last year, or everything for Ce- Celebrity Apprentice. So I think for the NRL fan, um, I think Benji was a good crossover because really, you know, some people, uh, I don't know if there's too many out there that sort of hate Benji, but um, you know, he's he's very well liked, right? And then um, he sort of he gave a lot of himself throughout all the challenges Um, you know, he only went to one, one or two boardrooms at the end when the numbers were going a bit down. Um, He always won as a project manager and he raised like, you know, in the first round, he wasn't the project manager, but he raised the most money, um, you know, like that was ever in the history of celebrity apprentice Australia. Right. So that's kind of showing where he is. Now, the interesting thing is you asked me, is he like the Donald Trump? Is he the ruthless businessman? Well, um, the answer is no, <laughs> right? That's, that's <laughs> not actually not how, That's not actually not how we won it. So, um, yeah, as you said, so the uh, the semi final, I think you'd call it, where it's down to four, and only two will go through. Um, you know, he did have to pitch to Stan on a on a docu series, and um, I think this is what you're talking about, where yeah, yeah, where he pitched, um, you know, a six part documentary series where he goes and tries to find the other half of him because he's never met his father in real life. His mum had him as a child when he was, when she was only 15 years old and, you know, just the way he presented it and pitched it. And he talked about when to launch it, which is, um, you know, he wants the ads playing during like the NRL grand final, because you're going to get a million views following it. Right. So it just shows that acumen. Um, and then so hands down, I mean, like the Stan executives are in tears watching the story. <laughs> right. So he, he nailed it. And then, um, the final was also very interesting too, because in the final, um, I thought his strategy was going to make him lose, basically. Um, you know, they had to write, they had twenty-four hours to put on a uh you know a charity event. And then so the other guy, Darren McMullen, who's an actor, he uh he did a high high class charity event on an island um uh, where he paid, I think it was like ten thousand dollars per table of ten that people paid to be there, and then he was auctioning off memorabilia. Um, to raise money for his charity. Plus, he also had a website where people could sort of donate online. And, uh, you know, and then part of that, he had magicians. He had, uh, you know, music bands and all that kind of stuff. And it was really more tailored towards sort of, you know, um, uh, philanthropist-type efforts, right? The high
0: high end of town.
1: High end of town. Whereas Benji did something incredible, which is he did a family-friendly event at Leichhardt Oval for South Cares which I thought was quite bold as well but he actually made it free so he made it free uh, so that any anybody can go. Um, he organized a free bus for some of the some of the kids that are actually uh, being helped by South cares to come along. Um, he organized, you know, they used all of these contacts. Um, you know, uh, I know that some of the other celebrities, like Vince Colosimo, was part of his team um, helping him out and, um, you know, a few others. You know, they organized like different, you know, musical items to go and, you know, sort of support Benji in this. Um, then the other, the other misstep that I thought was that, um, you know, all 16 clubs of the NRL gave him uh, about $100,000 worth of merchandise that he could actually sell on the day. But he decided to give it all away. <laughs> Right. So we're talking about signed grand final jerseys and signed boots and everything like that. And where he raised all of his money was just through sponsorships. So, um, you know, Harvey Norman uh, pitched in, they, you know, they asked him if, you know, one of the celebrities could wear their shirts or, you know, there was a few other, you know, uh, you know, sort of, so he, yeah. So in the end he raised three three hundred $387,000 just within 24 hours. Wow! Right. So
0: yeah, he, he and and how much did Darren
1: raise? Did you say a hundred and seventy-two thousand?
0: So he pretty much more than doubled
1: exactly. Uh, exactly
0: his opponent. So well done!
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then um the you know uh the prize for winning um you know celebrity apprentices that you get a hundred thousand dollars for your charity. So in the end, he actually ended up raising four hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. sale Yes, in twenty-four half hours, half a million,
0: Half a yeah. million almost. Yeah, wow.
1: Exactly. And yeah, not by, you know, not by the strategy you would think that uh, a typical businessman would do, right? Like, even Janine from Boost, who was one of their uh, mentors, was like, you know, you could charge people like a a gold coin, like a $2 entry fee, right? And Benji's like, no, I'm not having that because if when I was that age, I couldn't afford $2 to go to an event. So that really showed like, you know, just the difference in philosophy. And I think, um, and I think the whole process—you um, know—the different things that you know Benji did in this—you know, he um, he sort of uh, you know he was the project manager or very involved in the um, entertainment of a Bucks party, um, and he had all these uh, dad jokes, which is fantastic. You know, he uh, he did he did quite of a lot of interesting stuff. You want to think Benji would do, and he sort of excelled at everything. So I think that um, wow, he definitely has a good acumen, and um, I think he's I think he's one guy where. He can have a very successful post in our uh, our NRL career. And I think he loves rugby league so much that it will actually bring the profile of rugby league up the more I get into it. So, Dr. T, your thoughts on Benji's Celebrity Apprentice?
0: Well, not having seen uh, even a minute of it, (laughs) except for for some highlights that I saw recently, Uh, I have to go with your judgment on what you saw, but I think your description of the kinds of challenges that he took on and how he kind of seemed to excel at all of them. I was pretty impressed in the way you described his approach for, you know, given the challenge of you've got 24 hours to host an event and make the most money for a charity, yeah. um, that he's gone for the, you know, low entry uh, threshold, you know, invite everyone for free. And the way I'm going to make the money is not off the people that are there, but off the sponsors who want exposure to the people that are there. That to me is clever as opposed to the other guys gone. I'm going to host an event and the people that are paying for it are going to be, I'm going to get money from them, Uh, which obviously is, you know, it's, it's simple ticketed event (laughs) really, you know, it's nothing really complicated about it, but also, just goes to show, I think the way Benji Marshall has been seen to be—I mean, this is why he's so likable. I think he's all about yeah. the, the the everyman, you know, the regular kid. Uh, the, as you said, the the fact he's gone with a low entry uh, threshold, meaning. I want it for free, and I want any kid to come to this event. I'm now now thinking, was that Leichhardt Oval? When when did this actually occur? How did I, I not know about this?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 sure um, when it was aired, but again, uh, South Cares is a charity associated with South Sydney, and he's running it at Leichhardt. Which is <laughs> incredible on its own, right?
0: This is only Benji Marshall can do this. He's calling on all favours.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and yeah, and I think that's look. I think I think the thing with Benji is that people know his heart, right? The people know that you know he's sort of charity first, and he even said it like, I've never revealed publicly the fact that I don't know my father, like you know, in that stand challenge. But for charity, I will do whatever it takes. And I think he's got this uh, philosophy where it says that um, you know. There's was a time where he realized how incredibly lucky he is. And because he is lucky, he needs to go out and help those that are very unlucky. So that's where he's sort of coming from. So when you've got those sort of philosophies as the core of what you're doing, then people, you know, when you're talking to people on the phone and telling them what you're doing, right. And how you want to do it. And then I think people just want to be a part of it. Right. Um, and, and look, to be honest, PVL also has to make a mention, you know, uh, Peter Villandes, because, you know, Benji did call PVL and he's the one that hooked up Harvey Norman. So well done uh, to PVL. A couple of cameos that sort of helped. But, you know, uh, yeah, look, he's, I think he's well-liked amongst his NRL peers. He's well-liked, like, yeah, again, I, I can't think of too many people that sort of hate Benji, right? You know, he chose to play for New Zealand uh, rather than playing Origin because he loves New Zealand, right? So there's there's just, um, I think I think when people, uh, the genuine, when he comes across as very genuine, and I think that's what really drove him, um, some people will call, like so of the other cont- cont- contestants, I know running from the block, you know, he, he kind of had a, a few spats, not with Benji, just with other people. But he, he was definitely jealous of Benji. He called him the king of Sydney because everywhere, every challenge where you know Benji is out in the streets, there are people that know him, right? And um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so and he, he is a bit like that, right? So so, which is which is great. So look, I think again, I mean, would I watch Celebrity Apprentice next season? Probably not, unless there's another NRL play, To be fair, um, but it was great to watch. Uh, you know uh, how well Benji was doing in this um you know uh the others yeah Vince Colossum was great as well by the way like you know he sort of uh he he went um you know he let the being a director in one of the challenges go to his head um uh, <laughs> just basically you know was like bossing all the other celebrities around on, what, on how to act which is like hilarious right and um even amy shark very uh you know very devious you know like she's got the shark by name shark by nature so there was the reality there was the reality uh, tropes, you know, that you normally get, right? But then, um, yeah, Benji just came across as completely genuine. So, what well under Benji Marshall? And look, let's hope, um, you know, let's hope a this Stan documentary series go- comes out because I'm really looking forward to watching it. And the second part about it is, uh, let's let's hope that Benji can get more involved with raising money for charity and even um, even sort of working with the NRL because I think his, uh, I think his abilities, um, yeah, it, yeah. Again, half a million dollars, almost half a million dollars within 24 hours of, you know, from from just being told to run an event. That's pretty incredible, uh, you know, uh, You know, not just the, um, you know, not just the sort of uh, raising the money, but also doing all the logistics, right? Getting all the permissions mm-hmm. in place and, you know, he had fireworks going off, um, you know, he had the, he organized the wiggles as well. So, oh, my God. Wow, amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the event looked fantastic, by the way, Dr. say. So, so, yeah, but there you go. So, um, well done, Benji. Well done. Yeah,
0: congratulations. And, look, it is a big deal because even though it's a reality show, um, to have our players win, you know, rugby league players, rugby league royalty like Benji Marshall is, to excel in a different sort of sphere, different field, um and just goes to show that look you know that there's there's something about some of these players that they can it's not just a popularity contest it's not just a you know connections thing you know he actually as you said part of the thing is he's got to be a project manager and and run things and and organize things so for someone to be able to do that i think I think you're right. I think if the NRL ever looks at you know utilizing him as a an ambassador in some way or uh, you know a doer, I think he's proven that he can do it. Um, so why not find out where he's best suited and what message you want to send as a as a as a code as a game, um, and get someone like Benji Marshall there to do it because he can prove he proves he's not you know if you're going to put him as an ambassador for whatever. Um, and, and have him play that kind of a role in in the game. He's not going to be the type of player that just sort of rocks up at a, at a school, uh, school event and says, hi, bye, does some signatures and goes away. It looks like he's got the potential to kind of actually make a good go out of, you know, you can give him a task and say we need to do this, get it done, as opposed to just, we've got our people doing it, you go and just shake hands with people. Like, he looks like he's got that kind of skill set and I think that's great. So, well mm-hmm. done, Benji. Uh, representing rugby league, representing yourself, um, someone cynically I saw online say said that his pitch to the stand directors uh, or the stand, whoever they were, people, judges, uh, executives was basically uh the the sbs show who who am i or what is it who do you think you are whatever it is um which i mean that's cynically yes it's very similar but i think the difference is here it's also about his active pursuit of trying to find out where his father came from and all that kind of stuff and it's a personal thing it's not just a One person looks at some genealogy, you know, documents from 200 years ago. This is actually trying to find someone in the here and now. So it's... Yeah, um, one
1: person. You're only trying to find the one person. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So that that to me is slightly different. So look, yeah, yeah, well done. I'll, I'll leave you with the final word.
1: Yeah, look, look. I think anybody who sort of makes that comment probably didn't see the pitch because the, you know, in the pitch he sort of emphasised that there's the two sides of Benji Marshall—the one side that he knows about and the one side he doesn't know about. So he kind of, um, sort of talked about how the show is going to be, you know, a lot on him and how he grew up and his life experiences, but then also it's also going to be about this other journey. So it's kind of and then putting those two, uh, you know, the known and the unknown, as um, you know, sort of as as opposites um so yeah so like yeah it was it was actually really really smart like he he figured out how like and then uh six six shows as well so he actually knew how long this would go for this is not a 12-week series you know versus you know again Ronnie from the block who had a show about you know coming of age when he uh when his uh, girlfriend cheated on him and now he moved to sydney um and you know how he got over hating women right (laughs) and did he call what? it chip chip off the old block i can't remember i don't think he even had a name for it as well right i don't know. <laughs> no. it was like my very own. serious my topics own. and then he said it's going to be a comedy and then lot the the executives are like how's this going to be a comedy and then and one of the judges was matt okran he's got his own show and he goes yeah. this is my show <laughs> Right, this is like it's exactly the same scenario, bro. We He's just,
0: copying yeah. him, or something. All right,
1: so, yeah, all right, anyway, cool. moving well, on, well done,
0: Benji, and thanks, Tish, for uh, re- reliving celebrity Be, the reporter, the, the Be the
1: reporter, the apprentice, yeah. <laughs> all,
0: right. all right, final tackle is our tips for the rep round. Here we go. All right. Our previous round, well, you got a perfect eight out of eight in our previous round sure? tips. Which, is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, I don't think I got eight out of eight. I got, uh, no, no, I got, I got five out of eight just like
0: you. Oh, you got five out of eight. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. You miss, I misread. That. Five does look like an eight. Sorry. Um, Sorry. <laughs> So you have moved up to 84, and I've moved up to 85. So yeah, I, I was thinking that maybe, mm. yeah, Obviously, you tipped the tiger, so that doesn't make sense.
1: Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> and thank you to the Dragons for beating South because uh, we both dropped that game. So yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. Um, all right, we're going to do the tips for the, uh, the games that we we've spoken about in the rep round. So let's go with the first one, the women's state of origin. I've picked New South Wales. Uh, Tish, are you sticking with New South Wales?
1: Yeah, New South Wales by two. All
0: right, New Zealand, uh, Tonga. Um, in, we're talking the men's, uh, and I am tipping Tonga. And are you still going with New Zealand?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with New Zealand on that one.
0: All right, Samoa versus Cook Islands, Samoa for mine.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tip Samoa as well.
0: Fiji and PNG. I'm
1: going to tip Fiji.
0: And of course, New South Wales, Queensland. Look, this is it. Do we think that Queensland's going to wrap this up in game two? I say no. I say New South Wales is going to win this one. What about you?
1: Uh yeah. Look, uh, let's let's go New South Wales. <laughs> but very sketchy, right? So
0: yeah, <laughs> that's right. Not very confident either way. And look, Tish, that was a quick one. We have spoken about all these before, so this is just uh, wrapping it up. And look. That's it. There's been an epic episode. Rep round is going to be epic. Um, and Tish, thank you very much for an epic episode. What can I say? It's epic yep. all around. Um And yeah, lots, uh, lots to look forward to this weekend. If you can, please watch one of the games. Watch all of them. Why not? Because most of them are on free to air. So you have no excuses, people. Get out there and uh, sit on your couch and watch these games.
1: <laughs> That's right. And if and you're, you're in Campbelltown Town
0: or Auckland thing, yeah. or Perth, get out there to the actual game. Or Canberra yeah. for the women's state of origin. Get out there and actually support the game. Buy a ticket, get in there, and uh, support a side, whoever no, it may be.
1: Yeah. And also, uh, I think there is a couple of under-19s matches that are happening at Leichhardt Oval uh, tomorrow night, which will also be live on uh, Channel 9. Which is the under 19s uh, games. But um, we don't know. I don't know any yeah. of the under 19s players. So we can't really review that one. But no, that's uh, right. Well, hopefully, no, you was a win. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but all look, right. uh, thank you, Dr. T. And I have like to thank everybody out there for listening. Um, but that's all the time we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Titian Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.